everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Two Strike Noise. I am one of your hosts, Jeff Paulson, sitting uh, in a different location here uh, today, uh, kind of a little too close to me is my uh, co-host Mark A. Johnson. A little little personal space here, Mark? I'm uh, I'm doing a different podcast where they talk about violation of personal space. So I just thought I'd test it out while we did the podcast here. You want to move your elbow a little? Thank you. You're definitely an expert, I must say, then. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, this is, as I said, two-strike noise. Uh, Mark, I'm going to give you a choose-your-own-adventure style question to determine what our topic is today. Are you ready? I... Yes, I'm ready. All right. One, we can do a baseball history podcast. We're getting pretty proficient at it. Yeah. That's one plus. Or we could also let our listeners hear us uh, do an hour of trying to learn Portuguese on Rosetta Stone. Mm, A or B? I'll tell you what, just for the the pure scholastic quality of it, we're going to have to go with the Rosetta Stone. No, you know what? Now that I think about it, let's do baseball history. Okay, I had Rosetta Stone all queued up. I could just yeah. about push the button. Yeah, it, it, you know, I, I thought maybe it'll be educational, but uh, I don't think our listeners want to be educated. Portuguese, Portuguese. one of the, the toughest uh, toughest languages to learn. Not yes, easy. And, and only, I think, one sea animal speaks it, the Portuguese man of war. So that makes it even more difficult. Well, I think Brazilian animals also speak it. There's got to be oh. some, some kind of animal that says it's Brazilian something. Uh, you can also ask for a Brazilian wax very easily. Yeah, with, uh, you can, but from past experience, I suggest you don't. Oh, okay. I yeah. will make don't even ask about it. I'll yeah. make note of that. All right. All right, so let's uh, let's jump into our BP segment, get warmed up for the game today. A couple of, a couple of things I found from around the uh, internet uh, while just putting around, wasting time, doing nothing. Uh, this is a, a short one, but... We had done nicknames a while ago. Do you remember Mike McDougal, a reliever for the Kansas City Royals? Yep, probably sure I do. Most well-known for being on that team. I had never heard his nickname, and I love it. Do you, do you know what his nickname was? I do not. So he, he closed for a portion of his career. His mm-hmm. nickname was Mac the Ninth. Mac the Ninth. Very nice. Mac the Knife is one of my like all-time favorite songs. So I can just see him like coming out of the bullpen with, you know, a good version of Mac the Knife playing as he comes in to, to close out a game. That would be awesome. No, I like the I like the visuals there. That's fun. Uh I got another question for you. Uh the movie, Bull Durham, you're familiar with said movie, right? I have seen the movie. Yeah. Why is it called Bull Durham? Well, because aren't they the Durham Bulls? Yeah, the Durham Bulls. But why is it called Bull Durham? Bull Durham. I don't know. Maybe it was one of those things where you have to put your last name first and then a comma. <laughs> and they left out the comma. It's dyslexic. Yeah. Your name, yeah. please? Durham. Bull. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You'd have to say Bull Durham. Or maybe it was actually supposed to be named Leon Bull Durham. And uh-huh. uh, they just dropped the Leon. They dropped the Leon. Those of you who aren't familiar with Leon Durham, we just dropped him. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. so Le- just just now that you mentioned it, though, Leon Bull Durham was a he was a big dude. I, I remember him mainly with the White Sox. I don't remember who else he played. First baseman DH type, a typical like 70s 80s first baseman DH type. Just you know, kind of. 
Yes, he was. And obviously he wasn't a DH at that point either. But I do remember right. him in those cub pinstripes. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Uh, so I actually found some information out about Bull Durham, though, the okay. movie title. So the film's name is based on the nickname for Durham, North Carolina, which is obviously where the Durham Bulls reside. That makes uh, sense. Durham, North Carolina has been called Bull Durham since the 1800s when there was a tobacco company, the W.T. Blackwell and Company Tobacco Dudes, I guess, uh, that named their product Bull as in a nickname, Durham Tobacco, and it became popular, and they trademarked it, and so that's uh, that's just kind of why they, they call the movie Bull Durham, because it takes place in Durham, North Carolina. So that is a completely useless fact. Probably never come up again in your entire life, but if it does, now you know. There you go. Uh, well, I did not know that, and I also did not know that uh, Leon Durham... Uh, was uh, played for the two teams we were talking about. Plus, he recently served as the assistant hitting coach for Detroit. So the bull still out there getting his getting his time in. How recently was he uh, an assistant he was, batting coach? He was assistant batting coach for the Detroit Tigers during the 2017 season. Oh, so right when they started to really suck. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's probably not still an assistant batting coach. <laughs> Durham, it says uh, he weighed 210 pounds. He was a big boy, first baseman. I remember that. 210. Wow. They might caught him on a good day. Yeah. All right. So uh, I have, we, we've finally done something. I think this is show number 25. We finally uh, delved into Reddit for content. Uh, oh. Found a an interesting uh, baseball quiz. Uh, not quiz. It's really a, a survey. Uh, and a couple of these questions I want to get your answer to. This is this is actually called the Dumb Baseball Fights Poll. And you'll see why when I ask you some of these questions. Okay. What constitutes batting around? When 10 players come up in an inning or when 9 players come up in an inning? Wow, that is an excellent question. Because you have batted all your players, 1 through 9. But have you gone around until the first guy's up again? I think it's 10. I'm going with 10, too. I mean, I know you're supposed to, you know, take different <laughs> different sides to have, a, you know, some interesting conversations. But I agree. I, yeah. I think it's I think it's 10 on that one. And we are, <laughs> we are in the majority there. Uh, That's right. Next question. Is the catcher an infielder? Yes. All he's, right. He's, he's closer to the infield than he is the outfield. But he's not in the infield. The he is not in play. I say no. He's in foul territory. So he's not an infielder or an outfielder? He's a foul I don't think he's a catcher. He's a catcher, yeah. But what team does he play for, the infield or the outfield team? (laughs) Well, he plays for both of them. (laughs) But (laughs) But he's he's closer to the infield team. Well, yeah, but proximity does not equal... No, I'm not saying proximity. I'm saying as friends. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) All right, well, then on the same... The same, the same thought process, I guess, is the pitcher an infielder? Well, I mean, yeah, there he is picking up ground balls. Yeah, throwing them to first base. I, I agree. I think, infield. I mean, some pitchers are not infielders. I'll say that, but I think for now, the most part, said, yeah. That said, the catcher can also make an infield play. Yeah, well, if it's a little dribbler out in front of home plate, absolutely. Right? 
or if it's thrown to him, you know, uh, at a double play ball or something that makes him, doesn't that make him an infielder? Then he becomes an infielder. He does not start out as an infielder. Oh, so he magically, ethereally (laughs) is suddenly an infielder, but he steps back to the catching. (laughs) As soon as he crosses that, he crosses home plate to get into foul or fair territory. You're right, man. He's an infielder. Okay. Okay. All right, next question. What does it mean to strike out the side? That all three outs were strikeouts, regardless of anything that might have happened in between them, or all three strikeouts, you know, one, two, three, mow them down? Um, well, I will say that it's any, just all three strikeouts, all three outs being strikeouts. I'm, I'm heard, yeah, I agree. I've with heard that. announcers say, and in between giving up two runs, he strikes out the side, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. It, I, you say something like, and strikes out the side, but also gave up, you know, a hit or a walk, right. whatever. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with right. you on that one. And but does that mean you have to be specific when he does, when, if you say, if he does strike, strike out three straight. Strikes out the side in order. In order. There you go. The magic words that change it. Yep. There it is. There it is. Yeah. We are in the, Semantics. we are in the minority on that one. Really? Yeah. By, by uh, two thirds to a third on that one. Okay, next question. What does beating the shift mean? Does it mean that the batter hit into the shift but still managed to get it through? Or does it mean hitting it away from the shifted players to the other field? That's another good one. My my thought process has always been beating the shift means hitting it to the other field where the players are not. I'm kind of torn on this one. I'm not sure. No? Yeah, I mean, because I, I know I've said to myself, you know, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Olson, you know, they'll shift him to right field, have the whole infield except for the third baseman over there, and he'll still ground it through them. And I, and I'll think to myself, he beat the shift, hmm. but I'm not going to, I'm not going to die on that hill. I don't care gotcha. that much, but, <laughs> uh, okay. Is the hitter in the major league baseball logo right-handed or left-handed? Uh, he is right-handed. I'm 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 pulling it up to look. Uh, see, I see left. <laughs> uh oh. I see left. Yeah. I think I'm staring right at his the side of his face, not uh no, you see left in that? Yeah, I definitely do. Huh. I, I see a right handed batter in the the ball. Yeah, I don't know. I see a righty. I don't know. I also also think of it, isn't Harmon Killer I know this is not Harmon Killerbrew. That that myth has been, you know, dispelled. But wasn't Killebrew, uh he was just a righty. So that then, for sure, that means to set the logo's definitely not Harmon Killebrew because that's a left-hander right there. I, I see a right-handed hitter. In fact, I see me. We should just turn yeah. turn around that because it's... A Less left. sharp of a nose, but it's me. <laughs> and no beard, no beard. Right, well, you can't really tell. All right, so there's some other questions there that are not quite as entertaining. Uh, not that those were, as we've lost every listener that already tuned in, but... Uh, <laughs> they were as entertaining as they were going to be that's, today. That's as right? good as it was going to get. We hope you enjoyed it, folks. All right, so let's get to our final segment here in BP, which is our debut segment. So this show is debuting on July 23rd. Uh, that is just two days past the Hall of Fame induction and Hall of Fame weekend for the 2019 class, which we will get to a little bit later. But we've got some debuts, and it is strange, Mark, how some of these 
um there's so many hall of famers that i'm going to mention here in this segment it's it's kind of weird i wanted to first start with a couple of birthdays because there are three very noteworthy birthdays for july 23rd first peewee reese mm-hmm. he was born on the state in 1918 and inducted into the hall of fame in 1984 Don Drysdale was born in 1936. He was likewise inducted in the Hall of Fame in 1984. And Nomar Garcia Parra was born on this day in 1973, who is probably never going to get into the Hall of Fame. But No, no, but the other two, good on them, you know? Yeah, and if if your father ever names you something, just spells his name backwards and then says that's your name, I'm going to mention you. Yeah, that would have given me a really weird name. No. Cram? No, his name backwards would have been Yar. Oh. <laughs> I am not too sharp. All right, so let's <laughs> uh let's get into the actual uh major league debuts uh when they played their first major league game on this day. Bert Campanaris. Uh he came up with the Kansas City Athletics on this day in 1964. He was a shortstop, of course. He, uh, I did not know that he was this quick. He has 649 stolen bases over his career. Wow, that's a lot of stolen bases. I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea that he had that many uh, stolen bases either. He was a six-time All-Star, and he was part of the back-to-back-to-back Oakland A's uh, teams in the early 70s. Next, we've got John Smoltz, who made his Major League debut in 1988 on this day with the Atlanta Braves. Smoltz had a career mark of 231 and 155. That's pretty good, I think. And he notched a few saves in there, too. Notched also 154 saves, uh, the bulk of which were in three seasons. I mean, he was averaging just about 50 saves a season for three years. And that came after, I'm fairly certain it was Tommy John surgery. He had some major surgery. I don't remember if it was Tommy John, but he came back, and this was right when I was working at the Braves. So I remember this and, you know, they tried him, they tried him first just out of the bullpen and it just wasn't, he didn't start out well, but then he started to really hum along and they didn't really want to stretch him out. So they put him, I think he replaced John Rocker, which is always a good thing. Anybody that replaces John Rocker is <laughs> in my good books. And man, he was just incredible from there. Uh, he was the Cy Young Award winner in 1996 as a starter, eight time all-star, Won the World Series in 1995 with the Braves and was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2015. Hmm. And our final debut is from 2013. It is Christian Yelich, who... Oh, he's pretty good. Clearly not in the Hall of Fame right now, but is certainly on that trajectory. Uh, came up with the Marlins, traded the Brewers last year, and just went ahead and won the NL MVP in his first year with the uh, with the Brewers and is well on his way to winning another one this year. Yeah, I think it's safe to say he's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, he is uh he is he's tough. A good player. <laughs> All right, yeah. so I think that'll that'll wrap it up. Let's uh watch the ground crew chalk the lines, move the uh the cage out. I I I don't know is it in center field here at the studios or is it We actually hang it from the dome. Oh, okay. They just lift it's like a steel cage match. They just right. raise yeah. it and Okay. Fair enough. We bought it from we bought it from Vince McMahon. Fair enough. All right, so uh, we have actually already uh, decided who's going to go first here in our main our main event today. Uh, that was done through a random number generator where we each were 
given an even or odd number and I actually lost. So I get to go first this week, but I think it's good. I'm going to lay the foundation here on our hall of fame spectacular. So Mark, I'm going to walk us through a history of the major league baseball hall of fame. Right on. That sounds like fun. All right. So let's, uh, close your eyes. Imagine you are back in 1935. So baseball's already been played for you know, 80 plus years at this point. But uh, what is uh, going down in, in the small hamlet of Cooperstown, New York? Well, there's a big discovery there. The Double Day Baseball, and I'm doing air quotes uh, when I do that because that's what it's called. The Double Day Baseball, then considered the first modern baseball, was discovered in a farmhouse near Cooperstown, New York. Had a stitched cover and, and cloth stuffing inside. It was actually coming out because the ball is torn. And the ball is the symbol of the supposed, the supposed legendary first, and I'm doing air quotes again, uh, baseball game in 1939, which was supposed to have taken place in Cooperstown, New York. Stephen C. Clark, a philanthropist that just so happened to also live in Cooperstown, purchases this baseball for five whole dollars, which... Probably a good chunk of change uh, for that time. And he created a one-room display where he uh, showed this baseball as well as other baseball objects in a local club. And it became an actual widespread attraction. People were coming to see all of this paraphernalia. Clark, seeking a way to celebrate and protect the national pastime as well as you know, bring some money into his hometown, asked National League President Ford C. Frick if he would, you know, be down for making a baseball hall of fame in Cooperstown and Frick was all about it. So they, they, they went on and started construction. So what happened the next year is uh Ford C Frick and all these other baseball guys got together and they're like, Hey, we're building this museum. Let's make a hall of fame. And so that's uh, exactly what they did. And they took a vote and they handed this out to baseball writers and on February 2nd, 1936, there was an announcement where the first class that was going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame was announced. Now, get a hold of these names. Ty Cobb, Walter Johnson, Christy Mathewson, Babe Ruth, and Honus Wagner. That is your first class, the class of 1936. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> some of the names that were left off, Cy Young came up short. He was the yeah. he was he was in six. So you've you've got to get a certain number of votes. So let me read you the percent of votes that all these guys got. So Ty Cobb received ninety eight point two percent, Babe Ruth ninety five point one, Honus Wagner ninety five point one, Christy Mathewson ninety point seven, and uh, Walter Johnson eighty three point six. So they. They're elected to the Hall of Fame. Now, there is no ceremony. There's no speeches or anything. They're just like, hey, maybe they get a letter or something, you know, like, hey. A sticker, you know. <laughs> a stamp, yeah. Just, Congratulations, you're in the Hall of Fame. Probably, you know, Babe Ruth probably didn't even open it. He probably just tossed it away, thought it was junk mail. No, Don't just know. one quick question. You said, did you say Walter Johnson got 83% of the vote? 83.6. And in, in, in what world... Does the big train <laughs> not impress 17% of baseball writers enough to vote him into the hall? Come on. Oh, we'll talk about, we'll talk about this here in a little bit. Uh, 
Okay. And, and the way the way voters have voted. Yeah. Uh, so missing out, the next highest five vote getters, as I mentioned, Cy Young, Nap Lajaway, Tris Speaker, and Rogers Hornsby. Wow. I mean, those are five just <laughs> incredible names. Not exactly uh, um, a list of vice presidents. Those are, <laughs> those are some solid baseball players. Yeah. So all of those five were elected the next year. And then after 20 more members were eventually added to Hall of Fame in elections in 37, 38, and 39, they actually held their first induction ceremony on June 12, 1939, where all 11 of the living electees were present there. And there's a great picture. I will I'll throw it up on, on Twitter and Instagram. A great picture of these just immortals uh, all in one place. I mean, they're not in uniform, but... Wow. They're, they're there, and it's, it's incredible. Uh, wow. This was also the first year that there, there was an actual museum that was open as well, which, uh, you know, this was springing off of this kind of single room that, uh, that uh, Stephen C. Clark had earlier. But uh, it is still a beautiful building. I mean, they've obviously added on to it, but it is a beautiful building. And uh, it is still the original one that they built in 1939. No kidding. So Lou Gehrig is also recognized as a member of the class of 1939, uh, but he was elected later in the year, and this was because he was still playing uh, earlier, but his career was over, and due to complications with his uh, disease, his uh, sclerosis, the full name is amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS. Amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, yes. AKA Lou Gehrig's disease. So yeah. there is a special rule and we'll get to it here in a bit that if uh, somebody is passed away or there's special circumstances, they can get in before the five year waiting period. So here are the rules to be inducted into the hall of fame. Players must have at least 10 years of major league experience to be eligible. I did not know that. Uh, in addition, know. they must have been retired for at least five years if living or deceased for at least six months. So if the body is still warm, you're going to you got to wait right. a little bit. Players meeting these qualifications must pass through a screening committee and are then voted on by the Baseball Writers Association of America. Now, I don't know what kind of screening process is this. I mean, like if steroid players are on the ballot, they're clearly not screening for drugs. <laughs> the the screening process literally like hey has this guy been banned from baseball yes or no no great you're on the ballot like that's all i can think of like meanwhile pete rose is hate autographing baseballs with sorry i bet on baseball in a card store in las vegas yes each writer may vote for up to 10 players and a player uh, must be approved by 75 percent of those casting ballots uh, there are other ways now to get in like the veterans committee for borderline players that will eventually make it in as well as we continue to see every year, even though I love Harold Baines. Oh, yes. All right. 1962, Jackie Robinson becomes the first African-American player to be elected into the hall. Uh, 1971, Satchel Paige becomes the first Negro League player to be inducted. And when I read about this, I was, I was incredulous because, get this, baseball actually... When they decided they were going to start electing players from the Negro Leagues into the hall, they were initially going to put them in a separate location. Oh, geez. They were literally going to segregate the Negro League inductees. That's a terrible idea. Fortunately, somebody had a little bit of common sense and said, no, let's not do that again. Yeah. 
All right, 1973, Roberto Clemente becomes the first Latin-born player inducted. Surprisingly enough, they were not going to open a separate wing for Latin-born players south of the border. They just put them right in the same location, thankfully. Yeah, yeah, good call. <laughs> uh, 1999, Nolan Ryan is inducted into the Hall of Fame. Very nice. Big, yes, that was big a moment. Year. And then 10 years later, in 2009, Ricky Henderson is inducted. And I just let it be known, I got something in my eyes during his speech. All right? It's, <laughs> it's in the middle of a field. There's dust. I wasn't crying. You were, you, you were crying. Not me. Yeah. Uh, I was crying laughing watching you cry. All right. So this year, Mariano Rivera is going in as the first unanimously elected player from the Baseball Writers Association of America ballot. We know this is stupid. There have been so many players that should have been unanimously elected in their, you know, yeah. as soon as they get on the ballot. But, you know, tradition, it's baseball. Yeah. Can't vote for a guy on the first time on the ballot kind of crap. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, I think enough of these old time idiots have died away who were pulling that crap. And, you know, but I did find some real great quotes from that first class. So remember, I told you. That, uh, that these guys, Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, 98%, 95%. You even mentioned, yeah. you know, uh, Walter Johnson only receiving 83%. So here's a great quote that I have from columnist John Kieran on February 4th, 1936 of the New York Times. He says, the amazement in this corner is not the ballots that these leaders received, but the gap where X failed to mark the spot. <laughs> it remains a mystery that any observer of modern diamond activities could list his version of the 10 outstanding baseball figures and have Ty Cobb nowhere at all in that group. Four voters accomplished that amazing feat. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> so Cobb, who held and at that point baseball's all-time hit record, uh, still owns the highest career batting average. He received 222 out of 226 votes. Meanwhile, Babe Ruth who is Babe Ruth, fell 11 shorts vote of a unanimous entry. <laughs> I just I just like to, to, to remember this, so I'm going to make a point here. 11 people who voted for the Hall of Fame did not vote for Babe Ruth. Yeah. Yeah, just, uh, that's very interesting. So the Associated, uh, the Associated Press had something to say as well. They said the committee was amazed. Vote counting stopped momentarily for a discussion on how anyone could leave the great Ruth off of the list of immortals. The same happened when Cobb missed his first vote. I mean, theoretically, they could have in inducted 10 players in that first class because all 10 players could have been on every single one of those lists. Yeah. But I mean, it, it goes all the way back to the first class in 1936, all the way up to last year until until it happened. It happens with a reliever, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But Yeah, that's crazy. There it is. Uh, so members in the Hall of Fame by team. I'm going to give you one guess which, which team has the most plaques well, we're gonna, in Cooperstown. We're going to go with uh, the hated Yankees. You are 100% correct. They have 23 plaques. The Giants, uh, both from uh, New York and San Francisco, have 17 the Dodgers, of course, also from New York and Los Angeles have 15. This was surprising to me. The Indians have 13. Huh. And then the Red Sox have 12. 
Okay, so last thing I've got for you here, Mark, a quick little game I'm going to play in which hat are they wearing? Okay. I'm going to name you a Hall of Famer. You tell me what hat they're wearing on their plaque. Fair enough. First first one, Randy Johnson. Arizona Diamondbacks. Correct. Cy Young. Cleveland Indians? Very close. The Cleveland Spiders. <laughs> oh, really? He's got yes. the Spiders hat on. <laughs> He's got the Spiders hat on. He was, he was of course, on that cleveland spiders team the year before they folded when he was sold to the owner's other team in st louis but yeah they put him in a cleveland spiders hat that's funny i love that next we've got dave winfield Ooh, uh winfield let's say he went in as i'm gonna go with the yankee padres padres team you drafted oh, by that yeah. makes sense good for him uh jimmy fox who did jimmy fox even play for I honestly don't have an answer for this one. I'll say Cincinnati. So Jimmy Fox is a well-known Philadelphia athletic. I knew that. Okay, I didn't. I should have known that. Double X. Yeah, I mean, I, he is an athletic. He went in wearing a Red Sox hat. Really? Played for the Red Sox for seven years. Played for the A's for 11. Hmm. Kind of surprising. Okay, I got two more for you. These are tough ones, too. Gaylord Perry. Whew. Yeah, what are you talking about? 13 <laughs> teams there he played? Uh, I'm going to go with, did he go with the Braves? No, he went in as a giant. A giant. I have no idea how they would have picked what hat he would be wearing. Yeah. All right, and the final one, Greg Maddox. Um, boy, that, that is a tough call. I'm going to go with Cubs. Not wearing a logo. No, really. Yeah, yeah, and I think that makes sense because he was just – so seminal as both a cub and a brave that how could you choose yeah okay makes sense to me yeah there's I, there's actually a good deal uh, beyond you know executives and umpires and that kind of stuff that are not actually wearing logos hmm. all right so there you have it a, a brief history of the baseball hall of fame yeah, i learned something how about that all right so what do you got for us this week nothing just kidding, man. Oh, I was right. going to talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming class, uh, the 2020 or 2020 uh, class of possible Hall of Famers. Uh, now, now, do you say 2020 or do you say 2020? I say 2020. Yeah, I say 2020 as well. No, no one ever said 1985. It's just 1985, so it's 2020. So 2020 possibilities, all right? We'll take a good look here and see what we can find out. Now, there's one guy that's on there that's the shoe in We all know he's going in first ballot. We'll see if he gets the 100%. Uh, my personal favorite player of all time, or he's my least favorite player of all time, but definitely deserving of being in the Hall of Fame, Yankee shortstop Derek Jeter. I'm very interested to see. I, myself, I, I would not say that he is a 100%er. I, I agree, and I've I've gone around and around on Derek Jeter over the years, and uh, he's not been my favorite player, but I, I am going to straight up say, look, the guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's nobody – I'm not going to argue against that. He's unquestionably one of the best players that, that, that the Yankees have ever had, and he belongs in the Hall of Fame. That's not where my issues are. My issues are with people calling him the greatest Yankee of all time when there's other players I can look at, like Babe Ruth and – and Lou Gehrig, and I mean, even his own, you know, teammates, uh, some of them were Mariano Rivera, you could argue was better than Derek Jeter in his career. So, but the, all that aside, all my grudges aside, Derek Jeter goes in first ballot Hall of Fame 2020. No question about that. I agree. It, Sorry, soapbox. I, I just pulled up his numbers here. 
on base 377, which is excellent. Um, he, he Derek Jeter only won one major award in his whole career, and yeah, that was Rookie of the Year. Exactly. Uh, he came in third in MVP voting twice and second in 2006. Right. And no batting titles, no RBI titles, you know, no... But uh, I, I I agree with you. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But yeah, I I I don't think I could give him a hundred percent. No, we'll see if that extreme East Coast bias plays into how Mr. Jeter gets voted on. Uh, okay, uh, aside from the absolute shoe in for sure, a few other guys that are still eligible that have been on the ballot for a while. Uh, a guy that's absolutely qualified, but uh, does not have the best relationship with the media or many of the fans, that's Kurt Schilling. Mm. Kurt Schilling, who, you know, is, is one of the toughest guys to ever play baseball and, and has all kinds of, of great numbers. You can take a look and, and see uh, career wise. He won 216 games and lost 146 had a lifetime ERA of 3.46 through over 3000 innings over the course of his life. He did pretty well. He was six-time All-Star, and um, don't think he won a Cy Young Award. He finished no. second three times. Yeah, he. And this is where you really got to think because do not like Kurt Schilling as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, he. I, I don't want to say I, I don't want to say something completely rude, but I mean, I think his political stances have definitely cost him the Hall of Fame. I really do. And it's it, it. I think people are unable to to separate his personality versus what he did on the field. And yeah, and I, I think unfortunately that's probably true. Is that people? I don't like him. I'm not voting for him. Sort of. Yeah. Thing, which is too bad. There's a lot of there's a lot of a holes in the Hall of Fame. So. This is true. <laughs> I mean, uh, why why all of a sudden are we on our high horse where we can't i think i i wouldn't vote for him just because i wouldn't want to have to watch him give a speech <laughs> you know you can change the channel on those things i'm just saying he's about to give a speech boom click it over you're watching giada can't beat that yeah so would you do you think he's going to get in i i don't i don't think if he gets in i think it's going to be um by committee later on after the 10 years or after he's fallen off the ballot. Maybe when everybody is dead and gone that had anything to do with his off-the-field right. views. There you go. Um, another guy, Larry Walker. This is his fourth year on the ballot. Mm. Um, he just he only got about 10% of the votes. Oh, no, I'm sorry. On his fourth year, he got 10% of the votes. Which is just barely enough to keep him on right. the ballot. So 2019, which is his ninth year, Sorry, I had that mixed up. My writing is all screwed up. In 2019, his ninth year on the ballot, his total surged to 54.6%. Mm. So he's going to need to pick up a lot of votes this winter. Uh, he picked up a lot last winter. Maybe he can pick up enough to make it. And uh, that's but, what happens when you get, because after 10 years, you're bumped off regardless. Yes. So this is his and last shot. And it kind of ramps up if you're kind of a, a marginal Hall of Famer. It kind of ramps up as you as you get to the end there. Right. Yep. So here's three guys that were more known for their defense than their hitting. Um, I don't know. You know, there's not a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame just for the glove. Usually you've got a combination of things, but Omar Vizquel, Scott Rowland, Andrew Jones. The three of those guys together won a combined 29 gold gloves. Do they deserve wow. a look at the Hall? I think, I think Andrew Jones and Scott Rowland 
they did enough offensively. Yeah, they were they were decent hitters. I think I think they've got a legitimate shot. You know, Vizquel is one of those guys again that ramps up as you get towards the end of his eligibility. I think. Yeah. Because everyone loves Omar. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he was a. Do you you see those videos online? I know he was doing it. He was in Cleveland for the All Star Game uh, two weeks ago because it was you know. Played a lot for Cleveland, but he's got that transfer where he's just playing catch, and his it, it, the ball stays in his glove for literally a tenth of a second. Yeah, no, he was always quick release, uh, good solid hands. You know, um, didn't make a lot of mistakes, but uh, hitting wise, yeah, I don't think his hitting carried him there. Roland and Andrew Jones, maybe some consideration. Uh, did Andrew Jones? How long did he play? He played for a long time. Yeah, he but he was really good for a while, and then for some reason, I feel like he fell off. But maybe I don't know. What so I'm he about. he played for seventeen years. He came up, if you remember, he was nineteen years old when he came up with the Braves in '96 and right. went to the World Series and hit a couple of home runs uh, against the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, let's see. So Andrew Jones has four hundred and thirty-four home runs. That's yeah. impressive. 337 on base, not that great, but his slugging was at 486. Gold gloves just every single year. Yeah. Never really came close to winning an MVP. Well, he came in second. Now, he came in second in 2005 where he led the league with 51 home runs and 128 ribs. That's crazy. Yeah, that was a big year, my gosh. So, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a possibility if, you know, some people say, well, I can't vote a lifetime 250 hitter into the Hall of Fame. Well, you know what? When are, when are people going to start looking at sabermetric stats when, exactly. you know, there's a reason I didn't read you as batting average because I don't look at that anymore. I always look at on base and slugging and then I can figure out OPS if it's not listed there. Yes. And those are what I go by now uh, well, in terms of a slash line if if, uh, if uh, batting average in play is not listed. Right. In, in 17 seasons, he ended up with a war of 62.8. That's... <laughs> that's so, a, a third of a season almost yeah. or more than a third so, of a season you know it it's not as strange as it sounds when you first mention it you know yeah i don't know about that i don't know about andrew jones well in all honesty he's got some numbers that might warrant at least a good look at the possibility of a vote for the hall of fame yeah and like i said i i a good bulk of his career i was sitting right behind home plate so i i am completely aware of what a dominant player he was mm -hmm. i i would i would say he gets in eventually on on my ballot yeah. Yeah. He's of the three. I think he's the one that has the best chance. Um, how about another guy, Billy Wagner? This was mm. his fourth year on the ballot. He got 16.7% of the votes. Um, uh, comparing him to other players and other like closers and so on. Um, he, he saved 200 fewer games than Trevor Hoffman Hoffman's in the hall, but he had a much better ERA. Yeah. I like a run lower earn run average. Uh, more strikeouts and fewer innings, a better whip ratio, better strikeout to walk ratio. I mean, he was he was better than Hoffman in everything except the actual save category. And now with Lee Smith getting elected uh, by the Modern Era Committee last month, um, he's got better numbers than Lee Smith ever had. You know, I, I think Billy Wagner's got to be given a look. I, I agree. Billy Wagner, he was a short little guy, 5'10", a left-handed closer, doesn't happen that often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you look at it and... Wow, he had 67 saves in 2003 and 70 in 2005. Yeah, yeah. he was he uh, was amazing at his peak. Yeah, I mean he could he had a fastball too. Yeah. Uh, he was for such a little guy. He was 
Yeah, you know, it's I I I always just look at this and and I'm sure people do this with their favorite player if they're in the Hall of Fame. I look at I look at people and compare them to Ricky Henderson. And I guess in that respect, what I go is Andrew Jones in the same class as Ricky Henderson was over his career. And I would say no. Right. But then I think also Ricky Henderson might be in the upper echelon of Hall of Famers. I, I think so. Yeah. I, I think there's a, there are just certain Hall of Famers that do some things that are so beyond uh, impressive that, you know, they, they are incomparable. Like who else are you going to compare to Ricky Henderson as a leadoff hitter? You know? It's there's no comparison. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at some of the metrics uh, for uh, for Billy Wagner that they use, and according to these metrics, he is nowhere near a Hall of Famer. Well, I'm just looking just straight at his numbers. I thought he could definitely deserve uh, at least consideration. Oh, I think I think he absolutely will get a lot of consideration. Yeah, I, I, whether or not he makes it, I don't know. Well, and you know, especially like after Lee Stevens, or not Lee Stevens. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, if Lee Stevens gets in, then they're definitely <laughs> they're opening the floodgates. Lee Smith, especially after Lee Smith got in, so you know, because he's got better numbers than Lee Smith. Not that I'm not begrudging Lee Smith a shot at the Hall of Fame. Any Lee Smith friends or family out there? He was an awesome closer too. Had an awesome Jerry curl too at one point. He did, man. I wonder how much he. That spent thing was that. that was like what was that uh, sun glow? What was the from coming soul to glow? America? Soul glow. He had the soul glow going because it was like still like shimmering. Like I don't know if yeah. he went into the dugout before he come out and like reapplied, but it was like he just stepped out of the shower. It was curl enhancer all the way. It was it was it was the epitome of like some '80s hair. Yeah, it was. His hair should go in the Hall of Fame, that's for sure. Uh, a couple other guys that have been on the ballot for a while. How about Jeff Kent? No. Nope. No chance? Just, oh, I hate him. <laughs> that, so let's, let's, let's take an actual look at him, though. I mean, a miserable person. He played for a while, but he didn't have like a really long time where he was at the pinnacle Good. of his performance. And, and he was never brought in that steroids discussion, but... I mean, he was a teammate with Bonds right around that time, even though he and Bonds despised each other. Yeah. But, I mean, if you look at his numbers, they're pretty, you know, the first seven, eight years of his career, he's just an okay player. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden they spike. Mm -hmm. But I've never heard his name associated with anything other than having an accident while washing his motorcycle in the back of a pickup right. truck. Right. That's what I mostly remember, too. Well, the guy had, I mean, he hit more home runs than any second baseman. You know, 377. Um, he's got some positive things about him. I personally don't think he's going to make it to the hall, but I, I'm sure that there are some folks out there that do. I think he's in the shilling boat. I think, yeah. you know, and, and when I say he's a miserable human being, I don't, I, I'm not making any judgment. I'm meaning that whenever you see him, uh, we saw him on the baseball diamond, he looked like he was, it looked like he was forced to be there. <laughs> I mean, he was just so, he was never happy and he never talked to anybody and he was always pissy. I'm looking at those, those metrics that we looked at for, for, uh, Wagner. Yeah. And, uh, one of these is very, very promising. The hall of fame monitor, a likely hall of famer has gets a score of a hundred. Uh, Kent has a score of 122. Uh, and, uh, okay. So hundreds good. A uh, hundred is what a likely Hall of Famer would oh, score. I see. And he came up with a one twenty-two using Jaws, which is kind of the more 
it, it's the one that they use most often. It's the it's the Jaffe one. There, uh, average Hall of Famer at second base scored a sixty nine point four. Kent scored a fifty five point four. Hmm. So fifteen points under the usual uh, hmm. Hall of Fame metric. There, interesting. And and that does take into effect, you know, he had a kind of a a real compact, good career. But his first, you know, six, seven years of his career, he was a decent player. Six, you know, bat around 680 or so with some, you know, 20 home runs, but nothing like we saw in San Francisco once he got sure. there and then a couple of years in Houston. Here's a guy that has the numbers for sure but for other reasons has not been voted into the Hall of Fame. That would be Todd Helton. Mm, kind of kind of the same as Larry Walker. Yeah. You know, Helton did his entire career at Coors Field. So, you know, if if he doesn't get voted in and he's got he's got the numbers to do it. He slashed a ridiculous 349 456 43 from 2000 to 2004 with 138 more walks than strikeouts, four gold gloves, five NL All-Star nods and three top 10 NL MVP finishes. You know, so are we going to say he can't go in with all these great numbers just because he plays at Coors Field? So therefore, any hitter from Coors Field can't make the Hall of Fame? No, I'm on board with Helton. And one number right here. Todd Helton's career on base percentage is 414. There you go. Ricky Henderson's is 401. Wow. 401. So, okay, a lot of those might have been home runs, but I, I, man... Getting on base is part of the game. He walked over a hundred times, yeah, five or six times. Yeah. I mean, and then you add the power, which sure it's it's a little bit cores aided, but he played half his games on the road too. Mm-hmm. No, I think Todd Hilton belongs in the hall. I, I agree. I'm I'm put. I would put him if I was voting. I'd even put him on my first ballot. Yeah, me too, for sure. You can't you can't say that a whole team can't have Hall of Famers. Uh, yeah, because they play in a certain park. Or whatever. Yeah, you would have to draw a line somewhere. Yeah. And where is it? I mean, well, that's yeah. for another show some other time because that would require me to think. <laughs> I don't want to do that. So those are those are the guys that have been there before that still have the uh the possibility. Um here's some first timers that we get to look at next year for the Hall of Fame. You ready for this? Yeah. Exciting stuff. Uh Cliff Lee. Uh I'm going to pass on Cliff Lee. Yeah, he had he had one AL Cy Young Award um he wasn't real good at first. He got really good towards the end of his career. Outstanding half season at the Mariners. Yes, that's right. You know what? Basically, he he is uh, probably just going to be a one and done. He's not going to get at the 5% to put him on the ballot for next year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we know at this point wins and losses aren't really something a pitcher truly determines. Yeah. But has there been a pitcher, a starting pitcher, that's only won 143 and made the Hall of Fame? I don't right, know. Right. Another guy, Alfonso Soriano. Mm, I'm going to pass. Hard yeah. pass. Lifetime 270 hitter, 412 career home runs. That's yeah, nothing to shake a stick at. Was he? Uh, was he mentioned in the, uh, the the steroid area? I did not hear his name batter around in the PED thing very much. No. For a while, he looked like he was going to be just Mister Dominant. And yeah, then and just then kinda, he kind of plateaued. Yeah, and, he, he really did. You know, he had, I mean, he was going to be the first 400 home run, 400 stolen base guy, but did not happen that way. 
No. His, his stolen bases kind of ran by the wayside. He did 43 stolen bases in 01 and in 41 in 02. And then it went 35, 18, 30, you know, and it never got back up into that 40 range again. But he did hit a lot of home runs still during the course of those years. So there, there's a possibility for you if you're if you're into uh, Alfonso Soriano. How about Paul Canerco? Let me look at his numbers. So he spent his whole – no, he, he came up with the Dodgers, didn't he? He and then he got up, traded to the White Sox. He was a Dodger, and he got dealt to – he went to Cincinnati for half a season and then to the White Sox. So let's think about this. His uh, on-base is 354. Slugging is 486, which is not bad. No. Mm. 439 career home runs. 439, RBIs. Yeah. You know, and the man could steal bases. He stole nine career and only got caught four <laughs> times. So pretty good percentage right there. That's 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 not bad. You know, defensively, he was just okay. Yeah, that that would be a tough call for me. Yeah, I'm not was, sure. I'm not sure. I'm seeing anything there that is truly Hall of Fame worthy. His uh, career WAR was twenty seven point seven. Yeah, I I think that's looking at the metrics. It is uh, not too promising for for Paul. Looking at the metrics. They are they're listing him some similar uh, similar ratings for him. Alvin Davis, Justin Morneau, and Kent Herbeck. Gotcha. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. He had a great yeah, career. That, he really did, but it may not. Yeah. Be oh yeah. I, I yeah. I mean, yeah. I I, I was a Canerco fan, but I, I don't I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. All right. Here's one that uh, I, I want to get your take on. This is his uh, first ballot, but he's got a lot of controversy. Jason Giambi. Oh, I would say no. Yeah. If you're not gonna, if you're not gonna let steroid guys in, no. Well, that's no we kind of reached the point here in my studies where we have hit the PED player point. There's a lot of guys, and you know anybody that follows baseball knows that that there's guys. I'm just gonna rattle off some: Andy Pettit, Manny Ramirez, Gary Sheffield, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Jason Giambi. These guys are all guys that probably would be Palmero. in the Hall of Fame. Rafael Palmero, yeah, guys that would be in the Hall of Fame. If it weren't yep. for some associated association with using PEDs, now I know Jason he apologized and admitted to PED use. Um, so you know, at least he's not one of those guys that's still taking the Fifth Amendment, <laughs> taking the Fifth Amendment home with him. It, he's I don't think he's going to make it. I don't think any of these PED no, guys going to make I, it. I, yeah, I don't think so. I did read something the other day. I did not know Jason Giambi was the oldest player to ever hit a walk off home run. Really? I did not know. Yeah, that he did either. it when he was he did it when he was uh, in Colorado, which I think was his unless he came back to Oakland for like a sign and retire thing. Or let's see, Jason Giambi finished up his career oh in Cleveland. So he he actually had two years in Cleveland, but oh. that was when he had a walk off home run at the age of forty three. Okay. Wow, forty three. That's impressive. So all these guys, uh all these guys, these P E D guys, let's take a look here. Um Manny Ramirez, he had two PED suspensions, didn't he? I think, so. I think he probably still has one. Like, yeah. if he, for some reason, he wanted to come back and play now. I think he'd have to serve a suspension for it. In his uh, years of eligibility, he got between 22 and 24%. Um, Sheffield's been on the ballot for five years, been between 10 and 15%. Uh, Sosa peaked at 12.5% one year. Here you got Sammy Sosa. He's only getting 12.5%. And he hasn't cracked 9% since then. Yeah, the PED baggage really does put not just a damper, but a kibosh 
on your Hall of Fame chances. But I had to throw those guys out there because they are still legitimately eligible for the Hall. It just would take a, an act of God to get them in there. Close this puppy up with uh, mentioning some guys that I'm going to call one and dones. They'll be on the they'll be on the Hall of Fame ballot for 2020, and then you'll uh, you'll only hear from them again when we open wax packs on this uh, radio show. If you if you got a good argument for some of these guys, I'd love to hear it. Josh Beckett, Heath Bell, Eric Chavez. What do you say, Eric Chavez, Jeff? Uh, he's got sentimental value, but no, not okay. a Hall of Famer. Adam Dunn, Sean Figgins, Rafael Furcal, Alex Gonzalez. How about Raul Ibanez? Uh, no, I mean, unless they're going to play Werewolf in London, yeah. you know, as he comes out to do his speech, I, I don't think that any yeah. of those are Hall of Fame worthy. Carlos Pena, Brad Penny, J.J. Putz. Hey, he put a few saves together. Brian Roberts, Joe Sanders, Marco Scudero, dude. How about Marco Scudero? Uh, again, sentimental, but nowhere near yeah. Hall of Fame. Jose Valverde and Jamie Wright. Those guys will probably be one and done. Kind of to wrap up, we're looking at Derek Jeter and maybe some other guys next year, but maybe not. So we'll see what happens. Um, lots of question marks, lots of possibilities. Will anything change drastically from, you know, getting uh, only 17% of the vote to getting 80% of the vote? Our, our team's going to go out and put on a, uh, uh, like a raw, raw competition like the Mariners did with Edgar. Let's get Edgar to the Hall of Fame. And that was a very successful venture that they ran you know, in promoting Edgar and Edgar, of course, made it to the hall, which was a good thing because the DH award in the American league is, of course it's in the American league. The DH award is named after Edgar Martinez, the Edgar Martinez award. And when we put big poppy into the hall of fame, we can't be saying he won a bunch of Edgar Martinez awards and not have Edgar Martinez be in the hall of fame as well. Little known fact, the national league uh, designated hitter award is named after me. No kidding. Yeah, man. I was honored. Yeah, you should be the the Jeff Paulson DH of the National League Award. I'll have to look that up sometime. It doesn't appear here on no, the No, don't worry about it. Don't worry oh, about no, it. No, don't. I just, okay, I trust you. Yeah, just yeah, trust me. So there, there's my, uh, that well, it was kind of fun to do, put together what I could for uh, next year's Hall of Fame class, and then maybe we'll uh, we'll listen to this next year. Yeah, let's check in next year and, and see how we did. See how our predictions came about. All right, Mark, thank you very much. That was fun. Yeah, you bet. All right, Mark, uh, we've got a little bit of time left here. Uh, you ready to play a little Wax Packs Hero? Let's do it. All right. This is uh, this is our Hall of Fame show, so I thought I'd pull out the big guns today. Uh -oh. I've got two packs of 1992 Upper Deck. Woo! Oh, yeah. So we've got a new rule that I've come up with as, as Commissioner of Wax Packs Hero. Uh, commons are now worth nothing. Zero. Oh, okay. That, because it was, you know, last week i well actually i got some good cards last week but uh well i think two weeks ago we both just got all commons but my commons were worth two cents to your one yes. we're throwing that out so commons are worth nothing anymore we're just looking for anything worth of you know that's got value but this one we we're, we're opening the same make oh, uh, 92 good. upper deck so i've got one on my left one on my right which one do you want the right please all right. All right. Let's open yours first here. Just a reminder, I am leading the standings uh, two That's right. to one. That's right. Uh, so the 92 upper deck is a cello pack. Going to open it. All right. You are leading off with Jeff Facero, who is uh, checking out his, uh, looks like a fat, uh, curveball grip in his Expos 
left-handed pitcher for the Expos, right? Yep. Yep. I, I I will check. I'll do my due diligence, but yes, not worth anything. <laughs> um, next, you've got a checklist card, so we know that's nothing. Top quality. Here's one of my... I like this guy. Mike Pagliarulo. Pags. Pags. Mike Pagliarulo. Absolutely. Here he was in a, a Twins uniform, but he played on a lot of teams. Yeah, Hard-nosed uh, kind of guy. Fun player to watch. Yeah. Uh, Bernard Gilkey. I remember Cardinals. That. Yep. Yep. Uh, nothing there. Now, the, now you got a unique card here. There are two players superimposed on top of each other. It says Keith and Kevin, the Mitchells. All right. So Keith and Kevin Mitchell, not related, but they share the same last name. Kevin, of course, with the Giants uh, and was a truly miserable human being uh, as a person. Uh, but we won't get into that. And then Kevin Mitchell of the Braves. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's worth uh, nothing. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy, look at this. 1992 top prospect, Manny Ramirez. Whoa. Okay, now you're talking. He is skinny and looks young. Let's see. That card, my friend, is worth $1.50. fifty. Yes. <laughs> That's like $4 mint. This game. That, 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 you just came out strong right there. I yes. might not recover from that one. That's a good card. Yeah. Good looking card. Uh, next, wow, we're in the, the steroid area, apparently. Next, we got Brady Anderson, Orioles. Best sideburns in baseball. Had one great steroid-fueled year. It was a great year. <laughs> next, we got uh david wells with the now he is young here because he's real skinny with the blue jays huh yeah yeah he uh, was skinny the, that is a common oh we got a hall of famer and yvonne rodriguez pudge nice but that is a common card gary gaetti the rat oh, there he is the man that used to set on he just sat there on third base if there were runners on first and second just in case there was a chance a guy had hit the ball down the third base line, I saw him turn more triple plays than anyone I have ever imagined. <laughs> he would sit right there on that line, man. I was unaware of that until you told me that. Yeah. Uh, just, during a game. He, yeah. Runners on first and second, he'd park his butt right there. <laughs> Wonder how many, you know, like RBIs he gave up from singles that yeah. went through the hole that he vacated trying to look for a triple play. Who knows? Yep. All right. Now, here is one of my least favorite players because I, you know, was thinking I could retire on his rookie cards that I bought a ton of Sam Horn. Oh, yes. Yes. And I know th in one game. <laughs> this will come as a surprise. This card is worth nothing. No. Tom Candiotti, knuckleballer that mm -hmm. played forever. Uh, Dwayne Ward, reliever for the Blue Jays. John Franco, he was good. He was one of those kind of borderline. He would be in a discussion for the Hall of Fame, but never, right. never really made it. Right. Uh, but these are all comments. And your final card is Sweet Lou Whitaker, who we always uh -huh. talk about one as of somebody favorites. that could possibly be in the Hall of Fame. One of my favorite players of all time. All right. So you are you're looking good there at a dollar fifty. Yeah, I gotta say, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not happy. You might give my the bullpen before they count. You might give the bullpen the night off. Yeah, yeah, I might, I might have to. All right, so I'm going to open my my pack here, starting off strong with Ted Power for the Cincinnati Boom. Reds. The Power Hour. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got Glenn Davis with the Orioles. 
I always think of him as an astro, but Glenn Davis was an awesome astro. Uh, next, we've got Tommy Green in a really funky Phillies uniform. It had to have been a turn back the clock day when they took this picture, but uh, nothing much there. Alex Fernandez didn't he throw a no hitter? The White Sox. Yeah, I thought he did. He was a uh, he was an up and coming prospect, and then he didn't really pan out. But then some one day out of nowhere, he threw a no hitter. I think. Yeah, he was like a solid middle of the middle of the rotation kind yeah. of guy. Jerome Walton with oh, the, the uh, Cubs. The Cubs. I think he won Rookie of the Year. I think so. Came up. Marquise Grissom with the Expos. I enjoy these Expo man. cards. Remember when he was on the Braves as well? Oh, here we go. Dante Bichette. I love Dante Bichette. Dante He's Bichette. got a, his kids in the majors, or was, a year or two ago. Really? I he didn't was, even know that. Yeah, he was another one of those big prospects of, of guys that had had fathers that played. Uh, Trevor Wilson, Giants, not much there. Here's a nice Benito Santiago card of him sliding into, I'm going to assume, third base with the Padres. Is he wearing 09 yet? Uh, I can't tell because uh, he's sliding in feet first. I can't can't. You can tell me. Number. Oh, you mean you can't tell? <laughs> okay, never mind. I can't. Uh, Andy Van. I pull a lot of Andy Van Slyke cards. Yeah, we, we've got a, quite the Andy Van Slyke collection. Fan of that. Uh, Jose Guzman with the Rangers. That's common. Uh, oh, we got a Barry Bonds with the Pirates even. Ooh, wow. So he, he's still skinny. Oh, and now this is great. I'm, I, I'll post a picture of this. The picture on the back, it's got to be, although it looks like it's a Chase Stadium. Uh, I, and that's one of my superpowers is being able to tell uh, what stadium pictures are taken of just by seeing a little bit of the wall. I heard that you actually have memorized each of the types of grass in each stadium, and that's what you do. Well, the, okay, so I have two superpowers. Okay. One is the wall thing, and then that that one. But this one, he's got, he's in full uniform. He's in the middle of the game because he's dirty. He's holding his hat, you know, his pirate's hat in his hand, but he's got a fedora on. Nice. It looks like it might be a giveaway. And it's also blue and orange. So that, again, leads me to believe this is in Shea Stadium. Right. Uh, looking up, that card is worth 40 cents. Whoa. So this would I be just a cool took, card. I just, yeah. So I just. I'm only down a dollar ten now. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, unbelievable! Guess who I've got in my pack as a 1992 prospect uh. from the Cleveland Indians, Manny Ramirez. <laughs> no, you, you, <laughs> you kidding me? You had to throw that not. one at me. I have got a Manny Ramirez card, the exact same one as you. Did. Oh man! <laughs> and you had the forty cent card that put you ahead. You shouldn't have given that bullpen the day off. Oh, uh, man, that'll learn me. That is that is funny. Now, I will post a picture of both of them just to prove that there are <laughs> two of them there. It's not, I'm not making this up. Uh, next, I have got a Dodgers team checklist, which is different. Yours was just a checklist. Mine has got a painting of Eddie Murray oh, wow. in, uh, in, in Dodgers uniform, which is actually a pretty cool card. I like that. And then I'm going to close it out with catcher for the Cubs, Hector Villanueva. Hector. But that is that is funny. That's that, crazy, man. You had you, you you couldn't just let me win one. No, now that is the most valuable card in this set, too. <laughs> it is the <laughs> only card two. that is worth more than a dollar, and I pulled two of them in two packs. That's impressive. 
That is funny. So that will, uh, I'll throw that on the old standings board. So I now go up three to one. Uh, I can't get so far behind that there's no coming back, you know? <laughs> Until the show gets canceled. That's right. Ah, uh, that, well, that was fun. That was yeah. a good, I, 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 maybe I'll just try to find some more upper deck cards because those are definitely more fun and they're definitely better to look at than any of these other ones. Yeah. And, and you got a chance at having a card worth uh, 40 cents. Yeah. So yeah. Beats the heck right. out of those 88 Donruss. Yes, certainly does. So I'll post some of these pictures of some of these cards. Maybe that, that Bond's wearing the fedora as well as both of the man, Mayor, Manny Ramirez cards just as proof that I'm not cheating. Uh, just yeah. keep me on the although you are sitting really close to me so you should be able to tell but yeah it, you, it's sitting so close that you can feel my toes in your shoe right Look yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> oh all right let's yes. move on <laughs> let's move on uh just a reminder everybody if you want to see some of this stuff uh, that we post also we are very active on twitter uh we post a lot of uh you know this day in history uh, we try to stay away from the Stuff that everybody else posts. Uh, Cy Young pitched his 300th game today. We don't care. We do no. care. But we're more interested in the uh, the kind of stranger things that happened. Uh, I posted a couple of weeks ago uh, on the same day uh, in the early 1900s, two different umpires were punched out by players on the same day in different games. Oh, jeez. Uh, just those kind of things. Just kind of weird, uh, kind of uh, weirder stuff. So if you enjoy that stuff, which we enjoy talking about, uh, be sure to follow us on the social medias. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both Instagram and Twitter. And uh, I think, Mark, I was planning on doing a show next week uh can you do it uh yeah you know what uh, i just cleared my schedule for next week cleared uh, it. there's All a right. lot of just stuff like going that. on that i just ended up not wanting to do great well then we will be back next week where we will uh continue with uh, the odd uh, stories throughout history of baseball as well as judging people's uh, hall of fame worthiness yes. i like to judge we're, yes. we're good judges good judges all right, so uh, Mark, thanks again, and uh, thank you for listening. This has been another edition of Two Strike Noise. Thank you all. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye.